Imagine what would happen if every neighborhood in our nation was covered in prayer. Our country would be entirely different. That's why the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association of Canada is asking you to join in the Prayer Walk Challenge. It's as easy as taking a walk, and we have resources to help you. Will you invest in your neighbor's eternity by taking the challenge? Learn more at prayerwalkchallenge.ca. That's prayerwalkchallenge.ca. You will not build a great church. You will not have a ministry upon which the sun never sets if you don't reach men. Over 85% of the time when a man comes to Christ, a whole family comes to Christ. Pastor Johnny Hunt was our guest on the last Focus on the Family broadcast with a really inspiring testimony and a deep commitment to help men thrive in Christ. He's back with us for a second day, and I know you're going to learn a lot from this conversation. Your host is Focus President Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, I found our discussion with Johnny Hunt fascinating. Uh, He really has some great stories and some very important insights that men especially need to hear. We're glad to have him back again as we get to know more about his interesting life, uh, some of the struggles he's been through, and how God has used him in some remarkable ways. If you missed last time, I hope you'll go back and listen to that, get the app, or go to the website. Yeah, the website has the link. Uh, that's focusonthefamily.ca. And Pastor Johnny Hunt is the author of a book called Unspoken, What Men Won't Talk About and Why. Check that out at the website as well. Johnny's the pastor emeritus of First Baptist Church of Woodstock, Georgia, and the former president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Johnny, welcome back to Focus on the Family. Thank you. It's good to be back. Enjoyed day one. We had fun, and uh, it was great to hear how God brought you out of this pool hall, basically, right? And uh, put you in that nice GTO that I want (laughs) to see pictures of someday. But what uh, an incredible conversation about God's work in somebody's life. And if you missed day one, man, you got to get a copy, get the download, do whatever you need to do. Because it was uh, really influential for me just hearing how God works in a man's heart. And you are a tough dude. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if God can reach you, he can reach anybody, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, in, uh, in First Timothy, Paul actually says that God has set my life up as an example. Like, really to say, if God can save Saul of Tarsus, save anyone. But I've said just the opposite. If God can use me, the background I came out of, you know, the way I skipped school, probably had a ninth grade education, even though I made it to the 10th. But really, I just uh, never applied myself. I was drinking and carousing during those days. So if God can take what he started with in my life and use me, it's an encouragement that he can use anyone. Right. And that's the point for all who are listening. Exactly. I mean, there is nobody who's beyond the reach of God. I like to and tell unfortunately, men. Unfortunately, you're an example of that, John. I like to tell men <laughs> that it's not what you bring that causes you to be effective for him. It's what he puts in you. So it's you may feel you're humble, like saying, oh, I just come from this type humble background, God can't really use me. Well, it's not based on your humble background. It's based on a sovereign, supernatural God invading your life and then living out his salvation in you. So, Johnny, how did God move you forward in your calling? All right, so now, where do I go from here? And so here's what I believe. God's never shown me A to Z. God will say, here's where you are. I'm at A. Trust me. Yeah, but how am I going to do that? That isn't your job. It's sort of like agree to receive the ticket 
and leave the driving to me. So then my pastor said, I went to Gardner Webb College, university now, but it was a Baptist school, received no state funding, which the only thing I could have hoped for is some type of grant based on my poverty. But he talked to the president and said, this is one of the most promising young men he had seen in his ministry. Basically, here's what they said. We're going to give you one semester. So I think I've got one daughter at that point. We're going to move eight hours from my home, give up my job with the promise of one semester. But we felt really called to do it. So we went, thinking it all ends in May. It's all over with. They would ask questions in class, and I'd become a really good Bible student. I mean, I, I was reading every day, and I was reading other things. I could answer just about every question, and I read my quarterlies, so I became, I mean, I just really became somewhat. You were hungry. I was starving for God's Word. Uh, any, the Bible says, as newborn babes, we desire the sincere milk of the Word. Uh, if there was a Bible study, and I, was, I could get there, I would go. So I went off to school, and they began to say, hey, does anybody want to do the Bible studies for our radio listening audience? Nobody would raise their hand. I, I'll do it. And then they would say, anybody want to do next week? Nobody, I'll do it. Who would like to go preach at a church in Stone Mountain this week? I've already done it. Let's see who else. Nobody raised their hand. I was hungry. I wanted everything. So one day, this is a great story. One day, the chaplain, Buddy Freeman, said, hey, Johnny, I know you've been preaching a little bit for the school, and I've only been a Christian three years. He said, there's a church that they want me to him to be the interim, but I can't be there for two weeks. Would you go fill in for two weeks? And that was a big deal because that was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night back in those days. But I did. They called Mr. Freeman and said, and I'm a Native American, said, we like this Indian. Can we keep him? Oh, my gosh. And let him be our interim. So now listen to this. I've never heard a story like this in my life. I preached for them for like three months, and God moved. People were being saved. Offerings were going up just out of the pure fallacy of whatever I could learn. Here's what I had. I had Matthew Henry's commentary on the Bible, a Schofield Bible with its notes. And if Schofield didn't know it and I couldn't get it from my Bible commentary, that's all I had. That was my library. So they brought in a preacher Masters of Divinity from Southwestern Seminary, and they were voting on him. So I said, well, I'll go somewhere else today, back to my little home church I joined at Seminary College. That day, here's how they voted. Gave out a little piece of paper. It's 35 people. If you're for him or for him, for him, <laughs> yes. And if you get him, no. Jim, John, they received like seven for him, three against him, and all the rest of them wrote my name in. Oh, my. So this was it. I became the pastor that day. Think about it without them ever presenting me. Have you ever heard of a pastor being voted in without (laughs) being presented? No. So they called, and I said, how did it go? Bob Peeler, chairman of the committee. Well, Pastor Johnny, the people wrote your name in today. And here's how they talk, (laughs) South Carolina. Weans want to know if Ewans will become our pastor. That's how I became the pastor of my first church. Stayed there three years. So God had a plan. But yeah. listen, had I never surrendered, and that's even to a lost man that's listening, when you never surrender to God's prompting in your heart, uh, that unsettledness in your life, you never come to realize why you're here in the first place. And then if you're a Christian and you never surrender, you never know what God's purpose for your life is. 
So I'm now finding his purpose. So where I worried, I can't go to school. I don't have the money. There was a church. And then in that church, there was a man named Otis Scruggs. I love it. So tell us how God used Otis in your life. Otis and Viola Scruggs began to love my wife and I and our daughter. Holly would be born a couple years later. And so they came to my house one day and told me this story. We have two sons. And I said, I've been having dinner with y'all every week. When am I going to meet your children? They're in heaven. Mm. They've been gone 45 years. Mm. They were twins, and they died with kidney disease. And I remember how we talked. They could have made it today, but they didn't know what to do back then. And I thought, Otis, I am so sorry. He said, we used to kneel by the bassinets and pray. God, use both of them, but we want to parent a preacher. Uh. Call one or both of these boys to preach. And they said, our dream died with our boys. And I said, I'm sorry. And here's why. I'll never forget it as long as I live. My wife and I have rehearsed this story. They looked at us and said, it's where you come in. And I give God glory for this. Here's what he said. We're in our late 70s, and we've never seen a young man on fire like you. And I was 23 then. They said, you're on fire. You're wanting everybody to get saved. And we thought, you need help. You don't have money. You don't have clothes. I mean, you can only take one suit and change it so many ways to look different every week. I had one suit. And he said, we want to take care of you. So we're here today to ask him we adopt you. And to this day, I get emotional. And I said, adopt me? What does that look like? He said, to starters, we want to pay for your education. Hmm. Number two, we want to buy you, your wife, and your daughter's clothes. Number three, every other week, look for me. I'll be looking for you. I'll have something for you. And he would give me some 20s every other week for three years, three months, and three weeks. So they covered everything, and they were like our adopted parents. So paid for my school and bought me really nice clothes. I tell everybody bought me my first pair of floor shine shoes and even a pair of real hush puppies. (laughs) And so, I mean, I just don't forget this. And he would shake my hand. And, you know, then $40 every other week, $80 cash. In 1976, that was a big deal. And so um, they became like our parents. I said to Otis one time, I said, Otis, you've done so much for me. Please, this is enough. Don't buy me any more clothes. And here's what he said. Pastor Johnny, I've been thinking about what I've done for you. He says, son, I've never missed anything I've given away. And I thought about that. You can invest. You can spend. You can waste. But try to remember where you're a loser from what you gave away. And I, it just stuck with me. that, um, And so I quote him all the time. But um, I went to see him on his deathbed. And I'd moved. I was off at seminary then. And they said, don't come right now. Doctor says a couple of days. And he's comatose. He won't know that you're here. And you know the answer. I will know I'm there. So I, all the way there, seven hours, I prayed. Lord, Please wake him up. Please, just so I can tell him one more time how grateful I am. This man has made it possible. So we got there, and she said, you can go in. I went in, and in a deep voice, I just said, Otis, Otis, Otis. And Otis responded and said, uh, he, he woke up. And you could tell he was sort of, you know, hazy. 
And then he saw it was me, and there was a smile, and he was hooked up to every machine. And I just, in tears, told him, I love you. You've been like a dad. I'll never forget you. On and on and on. He became agitated, and I didn't know what he was doing. He kept reaching and reaching. That man was looking for his wallet. Oh, my. Because I'd never been around him. He didn't give me something. And I'm convinced. So I walked out, and I wrote a sermon, and here's what I wrote. A man will die the way he lives. Huh. Otis was a giver. He died a giver. He died trying to give me one more gift. Mm. And so people need to think about that. If you're lost and you're thinking, one day I will. No, if you don't now, today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Because it's so easy. Hell is full of people with good intentions that never intended to go there. But Otis died the way he lived. Yeah, beautiful. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Do you wake up and think of all the ways the day could go wrong? Does a list of worst-case scenarios play on a loop in your head? Can the littlest thing set off a spiral of what-ifs? Focus on the Family Canada has created a free PDF booklet filled with professional advice, biblical insights, and follow-up resource suggestions to help you better understand and navigate anxiety in your life. Download your free PDF booklet at focusonthefamily.ca slash anxiety PDF. That's focusonthefamily.ca slash anxiety PDF. Focus on the Family Canada's Hope Restored Marriage Intensive Program is a proven program designed to save couples from the brink of divorce. For over 15 years, Hope Restored Marriage Intensives have helped more than 4,500 couples, and over 80% of those surveyed are still together two years after attending. If you or someone you know is facing a crisis in their marriage, please call Focus on the Family Canada today at 1-833-999-HOPE or visit hoperestoredcanada.ca to find out more. Word of mouth is the best kind of promotion, and Deeks Insurance is proud to list word of mouth as a secret to their success. Serving the faith-based community with tailored plans and preferred rates for home and auto insurance, Deeks knows the importance of a good reputation, which is why so many customers refer their friends and their family to Deeks Insurance, a licensed insurance brokerage since 1981. If you can't wait to find out from someone else, then visit deeksinsurance.ca to get started with a quote. Deeks Insurance, where family matters. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Uh, Johnny, one of the core issues that men struggle with, and the stats that you use in the book are, you know, they're overwhelming, actually, that 50% or 58% of men over 50 view pornography. It's the issue of pornography. Let's dissect this in a couple of ways. One, why is that so powerful in a man's life, in his appetites? So if we can answer that question, then I'll come follow up with a couple more. It is so absolutely true that men are affected by sight. And so the enemy has had a heyday in that uh, research shows that there is not any subject matter in the world that is even close to the pornographic sites. And then men become addicted to that source. So as a result, billions, of far more than will be given to the evangelical church in America, far more, billions will be spent this year in the purchase of pornography. And so uh, we have a ministry in our church that really deals with addictions 
and they're from every walk of life, profession, I mean, just any profession you can think of that are struggling, and we call it walking free. And it's an ongoing deal of accountability and so doing everything we can. But until a man, again, humbles himself and says, I'm in a, a cord. If you, in the Proverbs, Proverbs 5, 6, and 7, almost in their entirety deal with sexual sin. But in the latter part of chapter 5, it says that you really are in bondage because you're tied up with the cords of your own sin, Mm. the cords of your own sin. So I believe when the Bible says God will turn you over, it's not like he is, oh boy, he is really working you over. No, he's let you have what you desire more than him. And yes, and it's that which is consuming your life. And so men, men really want to be free. And they've got to know there's a safe place. There's someone they can talk to. Like a man may come to my office, and here's how he normally starts. Boy, I'm here to talk to you about the deepest secret. I've been needing to come see you for a year. And I know you probably won't tell anybody but your wife. And then I need to remind them, no, I don't carry this home. I've got a great marriage. I don't want to go home and yeah. relive my day's work. No. So sometimes my wife say, Boy, did you hear who split up? And I said, it's been coming for about a year. Well, why didn't I know? And I said, because I protected you from it. you know. Mm-hmm. So really, as a pastor, and then there is a, a quality God builds within a leader's life. And I can't explain this, but when I'm dealing with people in my office that are dealing with particular sins, when I address those through exposition, through a book, I'm not thinking about them when I'm preaching. Right. You know, they may feel like, oh, he's hammering me today. No, 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 no. This is, I'm not an issue preacher. I didn't hear your problem and dress it Sunday. And I think that's where we get in trouble. We we make everything that is an issue, we try to deal with the issue right then when the scripture will deal with it. Yeah. I, I'm thinking of the stats again. I want to make sure people hear this. Um, the data that they collected uh, 69% of American men between 31 and 49, 69% uh, view pornography monthly. And again, uh, 49% for men ages 50 to 68. So this is a lifelong battle for so many men. Absolutely. And let me go back to my earliest recollection went before the internet. It was James Dobson, Focus on the Family, that spoke one day and said, it's not being addressed, but I need to tell you evangelical pastors that 50% of your men are already struggling with pornography. And now that wasn't a day I can still remember saying, there's no way. So in our research, we asked pastors, are you dealing with this subject? To which the majority said, it's not a problem in our church. Wow. But guess what? It is a problem in their church. But again, when we preach, we don't thunder against it. We're there with a solution. Well, let me ask you that. That man who is, I mean, we're talking about 50 Mm -hmm. to 70% Mm -hmm. of guys in the church, Mm -hmm. you know, 15 to 68. Right. That's a big number. Mm -hmm. So what do they do? Yeah. Okay, so they want to come and they want to get on a better path. Mm -hmm. What do they have to do personally to do that? Yeah, I'll, they really want to know where they can go. And so a safe place is we started a ministry, and because we deal with so many uh, issues in men's lives and many that lead them to take their life, we used to have them as ministries of the church. 
We couldn't keep them as ministries of the church because we couldn't afford the insurance hmm. huh. to keep us safe from those that were harming themselves in our ministry. Wow. So we had to place them out on their own 501C. So we have one called Hope Quest that was started in our church. Uh, it's now men and women, and you move to the facility. I mean, because it is so overwhelming, it's not just come in for an hour. Yeah. This has ruined their entire life. Yeah. Um, you know, we're dealing with uh, a family right now where a granddaddy has touched his grandchildren. I mean, it, it doesn't yeah. get any uh, more challenging. So this guy doesn't need to come in for a week. He needs to move to a facility and get in. And we have medical doctors helping us because there's medication being prescribed so they can survive. But through that ministry, we do the ministry so they could go to hopequest.org, and then they could find Walking Free. And that draws, even at our church, like 200 people a week from all walks of life that'll stay in there for a pretty long time. And in there, we offer them help, like they're on their computer. So we just say, uh, put in Safe Eyes. And you're going to have two or three people. You can go to that site, but you can't go there without the others. And then we're dealing with those that, I don't even know how to get there, and I don't want to know how to get there, but I know it's out there, the dark web. And so they're getting into child pornography. So we've we've had some related in our church Hmm. in ministry that have gone to prison because of child pornography. And so and here's the thing. In the Scripture, when you study and it says that lawlessness to lawlessness, what it's referring to is a progression. Sin is never satisfied with the amount of you it possesses. So it's always wanting more. Adrian Rogers used to say, consider your life a hundred acre field. Satan is satisfied if you'll just give him one acre, but he will take it in the middle of your acreage and he will have egress to all of your life and he'll ruin your life from that one area. Mm -hmm. So he just wants, as the scripture would call it, a stronghold or a place behind enemy lines Right. To fire. Uh, Johnny, the other area is this area of depression. You hit the wall. Uh, many pastors have done that. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to overstate it, but several I know uh, have hit that wall. Uh, I guess the question is for men in general, regardless of the vocation they pursue, what is the precursor for depression in men? And then what happened to you and how did you get through it? Yeah. And again, it's the story. And so when I came out and told my story, when I came back, I was out 16 weeks. When I came back, I told the story of what happened and what God used to bring recovery. Mine was I had had cancer surgery, prostate cancer surgery, and I'd never been sick. So I had one question for the doctor. When can I be back preaching? And I really came back way too soon. So I'm dealing with that. So my wife says we're on a little sabbatical. And she says, so, I've not asked you. Presidency's behind you, and that's quite a challenge to try to lead and deal with all your issues and stuff. You become the spokesman for the entire denomination, every issue. And then they said, um, she said, how do you feel? And, you know, they know you. They know if they're going to do it. And here's what I said, and this is where it started. I can't explain it, but something inside of me died. Hmm. I can't go back because I don't have anything. And that's when somebody says, 
you need a break, and I don't mean two weeks, because you've uh, you've not left time to replenish something your body produces. Right. So it was, uh, and again, Dr. Dobson used to say, when you get depressed, first of all, make sure it's not medical, physical, you know, it's not just spiritual. And they're all related. Yeah, it affected me. It affected me relationally, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I mean, everything was a part of it. My wife, it scared her. So she called a leading psychologist that was in our life. He said, I'd come to you now if I can, but I'll be there the next day. I met him in a park, in a state park. He brought a cooler of water and drinks and sandwiches. He said, we're not leaving here. For eight hours, we sat at a picnic table or walked through this conservation park, talking, trying to get it out, find out where I was. And then I got into medical care, and he looked at my wife, and he said, is there anything you've ever wanted to do with Johnny and he hasn't done yet? She said, I want us to pack get in the car, and not know where we're going, but not come back for two weeks. Mm. <laughs> he said that would be a great therapy. So when we left, somebody said, where are you going? With the kids. And the church totally protected me. My associate, I talked to him, but to no one else, only to one person at the church, and to my kids. But there is always the way of escape, so we're promised. Right. But sometimes we choose not to take it. Exactly. It's a, it's a narrow way. Uh, Johnny, we've touched on so many aspects in this great book, Unspoken, What Men Won't Talk About and Why. You've put it in there, whether it's that anger, bitterness issue, the depression issue, um, not having a dad growing up. I mean, you've covered the gauntlet issues of pornography and those addictions that we lean into to medicate ourselves emotionally. And uh, I so appreciate the time to get to know you and spend time talking to you. I hope uh, the listeners, if you're in that difficult spot, I hope you'll call us. I mean, we have caring Christian counselors mm-hmm. who are prepared to start that journey. It'd be that first, perhaps, that first time that you've opened up to somebody. I want to encourage you to do it. Uh, don't hold back. Johnny's given you testimony of the many times he stepped out in that way to confess his vulnerability and how the Lord rewarded that. And that's really the story that you've shared with us the last couple of days. So yeah. <laughs> get down and get the work yeah. done and yeah. let the Lord begin yeah. to really change. This can encourage a listener. First Corinthians ten thirteen says, there's no temptation overtaking you that is not common to man. Here's a good translation. If you're struggling with it, you're listening and you're struggling with something, there's millions of others struggling with the same thing you are. Exactly right. Make it known, humble yourself, and you'll be able to help thousands. Yeah, amazing. Well said. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. And I do hope that you'll be sure to get a copy of the book by Johnny Hunt that we've been talking about today, Unspoken, What Men Won't Talk About and Why. And uh, we have that here at the ministry. By the way, we're listener supported. We rely on your generous gifts to continue the work of Focus on the Family Canada as we come alongside and encourage men as we help uh, families stay strong, as we speak into the culture, um, donate today as you can. And when you get in touch, request Johnny's book, Unspoken, What Men Won't Talk About and Why. The starting point is focusonthefamily.ca or call 800, the letter A, and the word family. And along the way here, we've talked about um, knowing God personally through His Son, Jesus Christ. If that's something you'd like to learn more about, If uh, you're interested in a relationship with the eternal living God, um, when you're online, look for the free booklet we have that you can download, or we'll send it to you if you'd like. 
It's called Coming Home, and it uh, really is a great little booklet about the Christian life and uh, what it means to follow Christ. You'll find that at focusonthefamily.ca, or again, call 800, the letter A, and the word family. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. 